Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Command Space on 5x5. My name is Mike Hurley. Um, coming up on today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Mr. Scott Simpson. Um, but just before we do that, I want to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors for this week. This is a really great one. Um, they won IGN's 2012 People's Choice Award for Best Mobile Board Game. It's Fairway Solitaire. Fairway Solitaire is an addictive and witty game that combines the classic card game Solitaire with golf to create a unique experience that's taking over the App Store. But wait to hear the rest of this. Don't run to the App Store just yet because I've got something really awesome for you. Fairway Solitaire includes more than 350 different solitaire, hands-on, diverse golf courses. Trophies, mini-games, power-ups, hilarious video content, really sarcastic and witty golf commentators. I really do love those. And one dastardly golf gopher and golfer. If that's not enough, there are also brand new free courses and challenges every single day on top of the 350 courses. Everyone is talking about this game. Kotaku says Fairway Solitaire is a game you should really play and Penny Arcade says Fairway Solitaire is an incredibly awesome puzzle game masquerading as Solitaire. For a limited time, you can get the full version for the iPhone and the iPad for free. All of that for free. The full version includes all of the unlocked content as well. They've done something really awesome for you guys in allowing this the, the game to be free. And they're going to give you the paid version of this game, Fairway Solitaire, for free. But you've got to visit this URL. Go to sparq.it slash cmd. That's sparq.it slash cmd. That's for command. You can also find the links to that in the show notes, which is at 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 55. I've been playing Fairway Solitaire for weeks and I am addicted. I love Solitaire games. This is easily the best. You should go and try it out. Support the show. Support these guys. Go to that URL and download the app. Thanks so much to Fairway Solitaire for their support. Now, it's my great pleasure to be joined by Mr. Scott Simpson. Hi, Scott. How are you? Hi, Mike. Nice to meet you over Skype. Skype you. That's how basically I deal with most people in my life these days. I just uh, meet them on Skype and then we start Skype friendships and that's as far as it ever goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's hope it doesn't go farther. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm great. I'm great. I just drank a kale drink. I've got my e-cigarette. Who, who could be happier? It sounds like you're living the dream. Yeah. I'm living a dream. Scott, for anybody that doesn't know, um, who are you and what do you like to be known for? Oh boy, that's a, um, let's see, well, uh, my name is Scott Simpson, as you said already, and um, I'm a comedian, and I guess I like to be known for that nowadays. I make jokes on Twitter, I go on stage and, and uh, try to be as funny as I can, and I used to do a podcast with my friends Merlin and Adam called You Look Nice Today. That was sort of the um, the uh, birthed in me an interest in doing more comedy. So that was kind of the origin of, of my current interest. Google tells me that you are an American professional golfer born in San Diego, California. I'm also a radio personality in Halifax and a mayor in, I believe, Topeka, Kansas. You are so busy. I know. I got so much to do. <laughs> it's, the, it's the problem with having uh, a boring name. Uh, your name... Uh, Mike, uh, well, you've you've gotten around it a little bit by throwing a Y in there, mm -hmm. but uh, I guess you're, you're probably you might be about the same level of commonness as me. But Hurley's probably less common than Simpson. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know where the name Hurley comes from. Uh, people know it from Lost now. 
which mm-hmm. is fun. Or well, I get you know, are you are you uh, related to Elizabeth Hurley? I get that a lot, but um, I'm not <laughs> from for exclusively from creepy dudes who talk like that. Yes, believe it or not, yeah. it's it's kind of <laughs> weird that I get cornered by those types of people quite a lot, and they <laughs> ask me these questions. So Scott, you worked for Apple uh, for for many years. I'd be right in thinking this. Yeah, I worked there for seven, seven and a half years, something like that. Almost eight years, I think. What did you What did you do at Apple? Are you allowed to say Are you bound by a secrecy agreement? Oh no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I'm bound by anything right now. I can do whatever I want. No, I'm sure I'm bound by eleven thousand <laughs> things I signed away. Uh, fortunately for me, I did a lot of work that was not at all secret. Uh, neither was it particularly technical or expertise requiring. I um, I started there. In, I guess, 2005, right when podcasting launched uh, via iTunes and the iPod, and uh, or podcasting on iTunes. Obviously, podcasting was around before then, but uh, Apple brought me on to help run the podcasting portion of the iTunes store, which I got to do for, for about six years of the time that I was at Apple. And it was great because it was at the beginning of this wonderful boom in media produced by everybody the largest companies to the littlest people in their in uh, you know the, the 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 least professional folks in their bedrooms uh and so it birthed this great new form of media that i was really lucky and excited to to participate in and help to i guess send in maybe certain directions a little bit so from uh my dealings that i've had with um the apple team in the uk Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a a British counterpart to to what you did there. I would assume that kind of the sort of stuff that you did was just like like talent relations is not the right word, but you know you'd sort of talk to people that were producing like a lot of content or popular content and help them, you know, to to make the best stuff that they could, and you'd help them out with featuring and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. There were, there were a couple of really fun aspects to the job and aspects that I, I realized in retrospect are things that I love about working in a group that's just really small and centralized. Uh, first, you're right. We worked with a lot of the folks who produce podcasts in the world. So from uh, you know your, your CNNs and BBCs and ESPNs, uh, the largest companies who were trying to figure out podcasting and how podcasting fit into their overall strategies. And then... Um, and then we'd also work to discover and to help to promote um, independent producers. And as part of that, of course, we were figuring out what uh, podcasts to feature in the iTunes store and elsewhere. And really, um, you know, my the thing that got me most excited was not featuring the big guys and not featuring the little guys, but really kind of mixing them all together. Because together they sort of lent credence to each other. You know, the largest podcasts would be there from the biggest brands, um, next to the the most interesting podcasts from from indie folks, and that sort of mix I feel like really helped to both define the mission of podcasting and um, to hopefully find uh, listeners and viewers for uh, for those shows that that we really liked. So, so that was yeah, that was one piece of it, and the other nice thing, if if I if I may, sorry please, to interrupt. Please, no, 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 please. The other nice thing about podcasting at that time was 
we were just kind of figuring out what it was and, and how it works and how people were using it. So we were also, while, while we were also sort of working on the editorial side, we were working to help improve the product side as well, which was another really fun and interesting challenge. The third challenge was, and I think maybe the most interesting and, and maybe the most um, or the least uh, discussed because it's just our nature not to, is the international aspect of podcasting and, of course, the availability of podcasts in hundreds of languages. Um, you know, when we talk about podcasting, of course, you and I are thinking about um, podcasting in mainly in the English world, mainly in the U.S. and, and in Australia and the U.K., but the world of podcasting has enabled, you know, folks in Indonesia to do interesting things and to reach out to each other in ways that, that, that they didn't have before. So our challenge was to, on the one hand, sort of handpick interesting podcasts that we knew and understood, but then also to come up with ways to surface interesting things in languages that we would never hire a person who understood it to hand choose. So we never pick, we never hire, we, we had no plans to hire somebody, you know, who spoke uh, uh, Tagalog to uh, choose podcasts for the Philippines. So, um, you know, that was kind of our other angle was, was a more ag- algorithmic approach to featuring. So all three of those things were really fun and interesting pieces of, of the business at that time. It must be really cool because like, recently um, Apple announced the billionth pod- podcast subscription. Um, mm-hmm. I just wondered, it must be quite cool to see something like that and be like, yeah, I was there from the start of that. Yeah, it was, it was super cool. And uh, it was really fun to also kind of uh, be there through, the, through a perceived waning of interest and influence in podcasting after the initial... Uh, explosion of podcasts, you know, let's say up until maybe 2008, there was this sense like, oh, our podcast dead, what's happening? And so from 2000, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just guessing numbers, 2008 to maybe a couple years ago, there was a sense that podcasting was, was on the decline, that uh, video and, and YouTube and whatever would sort of rise to take its place. And then there was this whole new renaissance, all the while new people were finding podcasts uh, there's just this perceived sense of uh, sense of declining importance of podcasting, which of course now is uh, is is not at all both the perceived and the actual case. I mean, like you mentioned that um, podcasts existed before Apple put put them in to the store, which was in '05, was it? I think. Yeah, it was in summer of of '05 that that podcasting in iTunes launched. I mean, and you know, and to sort of be like, oh, you know, they they didn't invent it, or you know, it wasn't an Apple thing that they pioneered, which is true. But I think that I don't, I honestly don't believe we would be sitting here having this conversation right now if it wasn't for what Apple and what you did um, in helping sort of make it a a thing. Like, if there wasn't the iTunes podcast directory, I can't imagine that that it would have taken off to the level that it did. I think you're right. I'm sure you're right. And and to be to be fair, I did not build. I did not do any of the actual engineering, creation, inception of the idea in iTunes. That was done by an incredibly talented team, many of whom are still there doing stuff. Um, to the extent that I had an influence, it was once it was built. You know, how could we take it from there? But um, but yeah, you, you're right. And you know, at first, of course, 
<laughs> the nerds that like this the real like the nerds who are already into podcasting gave us some guff for <laughs> I guess being too popular or something. I don't know. I remember uh I remember Leo Leo Laporte was kind of uh, angry with Apple for a while for <laughs> making podcasting incredibly popular. I'm not sure. Of course, Leo's uh, super talented and and creates great things. But uh, th- I remember that that was a that was a, a sentiment that was that was uh, that was reflected at the time. Uh, a lot of people didn't like the word podcast. Whatever. It was it was cool. We tried to do with it what we could. Uh, ultimately. Ultimately, and weirdly, I would say, iTunes' approach to podcasting is very uh, podcaster uh, positive. Like, you know, nothing, all of the traffic goes back to the podcaster. And uh, really, it's just a, a, in the sense that, that Yahoo was originally a directory of websites, it's really was that and kind of still is just that as a surface way to discover interesting shows that you might like and and want to subscribe to yeah like nothing's restricted there's no approval process like you know like it's not like somebody goes and listens to every every one of your shows before they let you on the store yeah you know that there's actually an approval process there there definitely is yeah uh i listen to a lot of podcasts (laughs) at the beginning um i've probably i'm only guessing this might be eclipsed by like some weirdo with uh, a million hours of time on his hands and some sort of psychiatric disorder. Uh, but I think I've listened to more episodes of different podcasts than any human. I have to be the person who's listened to the yeah. most number of podcasts. Because we would, you know, there are reasons to be removed from the store. And uh, this is all, maybe this is getting boring. I don't know. I'm interested in it. But uh, <laughs> no, you, I am. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. You and I are interested in it for for <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, let's just talk about stuff that you and I like, and <laughs> the listeners can, uh, you know, they can make a cup of coffee and go about their business. Um, the uh, these are all listed on the on the podcasting info page too. But yeah, you can be removed from the store. We would listen to stuff to make sure it was um, not flagrantly out of bounds with mm-hmm. regard to hate speech or. Uh, or uh, obvious use of unauthorized copyrighted content, but but yeah, you're right. In, in the vast majority of cases, um, it's a it's a largely do what you do kind of space, which is good. I mean, it's it's because it's a creative art, right? And uh, mm. you know, it allows people to to be a bit more free. And I I know that you worked on the iBooks team as well, right? Yeah, that's right. So after I had done podcasts for a number of years. Um, when the iBook store rolled around, I I jumped on the opportunity to to work with books. I'd worked at Amazon for about five years on uh, the books team, and then on digital media products projects related to books there. And I've always stayed interested in that world, and now especially what the world of books, reading, and publishing is turning into. So that was a really great uh, opportunity to go over and help. Helped to, in some way, build that store into into what it's become. So you you seem to have been like sort of content focused, really, in these, these tech companies. It seems like that you were always dealing with content as opposed to like developing the back end of a web store. Oh, that's because I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that was the smartest thing I was able to to get in to do. So. The fact that they even let me do that stuff is uh, is a great and lucky gift. 
Well, you're obviously good at it. I mean, it wasn't like you was working at um, one two three digitalbookstore dot com. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those guys. <laughs> you don't want to go anywhere near those guys. They let no anyone write anything. <laughs> so working at these big companies and and especially working in on the creative side um, at Apple, especially, mm-hmm. did that like did that experience like afford you? the opportunity to go to you know places like WWDC and meet with the people you know make friends uh, that sort of stuff with with those content creators if you know if you were interested in technology podcasts etc did it did it afford you any sort of opportunities like that uh mike i <laughs> i just ruthlessly use my apple.com email address to meet my creative <laughs> heroes like always and and you know the great thing is that everybody does podcasts so i just you know i feel like oh comedy you know one of my a couple of my you know best friends in comedy were people that i just really looked up to and was like hey i work at apple let's talk uh you know uh jesse thorne who uh, i think you've had on the show before yeah uh was an early and great uh source of information for me uh, because he knew so much about both the digital side of things and what podcasting could be, but also the traditional, uh, especially from the perspective of public radio side of things too. Uh, so you know, getting to know him was was a really great aspect of my first uh, couple years at Apple. And then you know, uh, I, I'm a big fan of this blog uh, called CoolHunting.com, which is a dumb name, but the the dudes there are are great. And so I just, you know, I wrote them a note. I was like, hey, you should do a podcast. Let's hang out. And so we hung out and they did a podcast. It was great. And we did stuff together. But I just really wanted to meet them. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 uh, there, there are pro- there's an embarrassing number of people uh, who are my friends now who I, uh, I met via, via that route. But then it was your magnetic personality that kept them, right? Is that how that worked? Yeah, if we were, if this were an R-rated project, or if this were an R-rated podcast, I'd make some, uh, some, some jokes right now about other things that I did that <laughs> kept them uh, as my friends. But since we're not, um, that says yeah, what you it need. My, it's my <laughs> magnetic personality. <laughs> so I want to talk um, with you a bit more about um, your personal involvement on the other side. Um, of the podcasting world with You Look Nice Today. But uh, I just have uh, some bills to pay and I would like to talk about our first sponsor, if that is okay with you, sir. I'll just uh, sit back and uh, savor my kale drink and electronic cigarette while you do so. That sounds perfect. Do you have a smoking jacket? (laughs) No, but I do like the idea of a smoking jacket for electronic cigarettes. Maybe it's a, it's a, a plastic poncho. Or like a Tron type or like deal. a Tron, yeah. Something that, something that unnecessarily lights up. So let me climb into my smoking suit and uh, enjoy some, some gross uh, nicotined water vapor. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll leave you to that, that tasty, tasty treat. I would like to thank Shutterstock.com, where you will find 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. Shutterstock.com have very kindly sponsored this episode, and they're helping support Command Space and Five 
by five. You can start your search over at Shutterstock to find the perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock gives you a global image collection to find images from across the world to suit whatever your projects may be. You can choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages, whatever fits your needs, and you never have to compromise. Like if you just need one image for a blog or a mock-up, they, they can do that too. You can buy them a la carte as well as in their packs where you will get you know great deals on, on, on larger subscription-type deals, but you can get them single if that's how you would prefer. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new since they add 10,000 new images every day. And it's a lot more affordable than you may think, with no extra charge for larger resolution files. You can just download any image in any size, and you only pay them once. If you need them, you just take them. You can easily curate and share pictures via light boxes. You can do this with just a few clicks. You can add your favorite pictures um, to a light box gallery as you search around. And you're like, right, I like this one. Let me do another search. I like this one. You can compare them all at the end. And you can even use their iPad app that they have to do this as well, which is really cool. They also have something called enhanced license access. So if you need an image, maybe for print or swag for a trade show or to, you know, something like that, you want to print it on a nice tote bag or some description, well, you can get an enhanced license for that. They have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, video clips, so much more if you need any of those. And if you need any help over at Shutterstock.com, you'll get an account rep dedicated to you who can answer any questions, and they have 24-hour support during the week. Go sign up for a free browse account now at Shutterstock.com. Dot com is no credit card required to do this. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code CMD8, that's command 8, and you'll get 30% off any package. Thank you very much to Shutterstock for supporting Command Space and all of 5x5. Are you still there, Mr. Simpson? Hold on a second, let me get out of my suit. I assume it's very difficult and you don't want to get any sort of shock of any kind. Uh, that's right. It's mostly a decompression process where the danger occurs. Hold on a second. Okay, I'm fine. Here we are. Excellent. So, being involved, like, I mean, I, th- I feel like I've got a sense of this from you, but being involved um, in the podcast world at Apple, you seem to, I assume that you, you really enjoyed the medium itself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, honestly, I hadn't really. I hadn't really gotten into it very much before I started working there and finding new and interesting podcasts and the interesting people making them. So, I mean, because I guess before Apple did it, like before they integrated the directory and, and the ability to play, you know, to play podcasts on iTunes and on the iPods at the time, I was listening to some shows and I was maybe more watching video and it was so difficult really to get it to work. Like there was an app that I used called Lemon Podder, I think it was called. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was they were rough times. They were they were rough. <laughs> Someday we'll just you know, we'll be sharing a, a pint at the pub uh, in in your home country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we'll be we'll be reminiscing on the, the the terrible travails that we had to go through to get free audio content onto our portable devices. And someone will overhear us and, and they'll <laughs> buy us a drink and be like, That's right. wow, wow, granddad, I had no That's idea right. things were that hard for you. <laughs> now I just tilt my head and new sound pours in. <laughs> I just think it and I make this content up myself. That's right, yeah. Yeah, the, new, the, the podcasting in, in 2050 will just be called Thoughts. 
<laughs> so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that is, Mike. It's I don't know fine. what to do with that. We can carry on. We'll just we'll just mm-hmm. move past it. So mm-hmm. I have hit a uh, by having you on this show. I have I have found the trif. I have achieved the trifecta. I have had Merlin and Adam and you on the show now on Command Space throughout nice. history. So the reason I bring this up is because the three of you together had a, a show called You Look Nice Today. And I've asked both Merlin and Adam this, but I would like to get it from your perspective of how did you come to You Look Nice Today? How did it happen for you? Uh, well, it happened for me because of Twitter. And I don't know, if, I don't know how these guys tell the story, but uh, originally it was uh, Robert Anderson, uh, nay Bobby Anderson, who on Twitter was like, I think he said something like, I had a weird dream where Merlin, Adam, and Scott had a podcast. And, uh, and we were like, huh, that sounds kind of interesting. We had all become friends via Twitter. Um, I sort of knew Merlin in regular world, but, but became uh, pals with him via Twitter. And I really met Adam many men- months into our, our Twitter friendship. And so we were like, hey, let's do a show about all the fun stuff that happened on Twitter this week. And we, we sat down and tried it and talked about the funny things that our friends on Twitter were talking about and quickly realized that that was the most boring conversation that three people could have. <laughs> it's like, so, a, like a Twitter news report. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> and we thought, like we'd, we thought that we would sort of call out funny things that happened. But it turns out that um, the least funny thing in the world is describing a funny thing. There was there was a podcast. Uh, this is unrelated, but it just reminded me of that. Uh, originally, you know, when big companies were figuring out what they were going to do with podcasting, a lot of misses mixed in with the hits. A very popular podcast for a while was the Simpsons podcast that people would subscribe to uh, to re- to receive uh, Simpsons related stuff. And the the Simpsons podcast was a I want to say. 10 to 15 minute uh, summary of Simpsons episodes. Homer gets out of his car, slips on a skateboard. And it was my favorite thing in the world because it just took the funniest thing and absolutely stripped it bare of all funny and left it the sad skeleton that, that it would have been otherwise. It's like so that's listening what, to an audio description, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, when you accidentally have the, the uh, assisted... Uh, uh, list, I don't know what that's called, but the extra audio track on a TV show on for, for folks who are blind. And it's like, you know, the bear gets his head stuck in a pot of honey. I'm like, oh, poor blind people can't just see that. That must really stink. <laughs> so, yeah, that was us. We were, we were doing a like, sad description of Twitter uh, for a very brief period. Those things never saw the light of day. As we started doing those, we, we became uh, comfortable with each other, yik-yakking over Skype, and kind of hit on just a dumb model of us being silly and having this, this concept that we were all hanging out in a, in a waterbed somewhere, desperately trying to come up with, with ways to make money, uh, and in the process, talking about you know, Adam's weird childhood, etc. <laughs> so that was kind of how it started. I don't, I don't really remember like I don't honestly. I don't remember like the the eureka moment when we realized that we could do something that was not the original idea, but that became you look nice today. We just, I think, by virtue of trying it for a while, hit upon it in the first couple hours of of 
talking to each other and trying things out. Did, that, did it take a lot of work? Was it a lot of hard work for you? Hey, you've heard the podcast, Mike. Oh, well, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe you wrote every word beforehand for yeah. all we know. <laughs> we, uh, we, I guess, you know, to be honest, it was hard for me because... Um, look at the other two people on the show. I mean, for listeners who are familiar with the show, the other two people on the show are just incredibly creative and talented dudes. Merlin, uh, I really do think that Merlin is kind of the, like, the one bona fide genius that I've ever met and had the chance to hang out with. He's so fast. And the number of things that he says, let alone the number of things that he thinks and the speed that he does it, is so incredible that to talk to him is sort of like, you know, taking speed for your, for your ears. And then Adam, you know, you know, mentally challenged, not a smart guy, um, sort of a, I don't know what, no, obviously not another super smart, uh, person who's, who's, whose flavor of creativity and talent is, um, is quieter, more ruminative, but still hilarious and and weird. Uh, I feel like those two, they already were doing creative things, and they already had uh, at least some sense of themselves as creative people. Uh, and then I didn't really have that, and so I always felt a real kind of uh, sense of intimidation when we spoke, which led me to end up becoming the person who would come to the show with a, a huge outline of stuff that we could talk about. Uh, it led me to become the person who, when we did our live shows, would just totally ruin our live shows by trying to keep us on some sort of uh, perceived outline of what would be funny instead of just chilling and seeing what happened. Yeah. Well, the joke's on them now because uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> only one of them is a professional comedian. So <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, I, made, I made $10 last night. So, yes, I am a professional comedian. You made money telling jokes. That makes you professional. That's, that's true. That's true. Uh, but to be honest, too, those two um, also inspired me to, uh, to leave my job. I realized, you know, working at, at Apple after a certain amount of time, it's a great company, of course, and they make great things, of course, and, and there are all kinds of great companies. But at some point, I, I realized I had been lying to myself and saying that I was doing a creative thing by virtue of being involved with creative people. But as, as my wife often reminded me at parties that we go to, I was in retail. Like when she'd introduce me to people, she'd be like, this is my husband, he's in retail. And she was right. I was, in, you know, I was you know, helping to, to sell products. And that's cool and interesting in its own way. But the lie that I'd, that I'd been sort of telling myself was that I was doing something creative or at least working towards something more creative and my own thing and uh, watching Merlin and then Adam go off and, and build actually creative, interesting enterprises uh, was, a, was a real inspiration for, for me to do the same thing. Working at Apple in the podcast team and creating a podcast that is in the iTunes store. Mm-hmm. Was that ever a weird thing for you? Did you ever think to yourself, I could just, you know, I could just feature myself for the next 12 months if I want to? 
Um, although yeah. I'm sure you couldn't, but you know. But was it ever like a strange, like a strange sort of uh, meeting of of uh, a hobby and your job? It was uncomfortable for sure because, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Like helping to you know run the store and then also doing something that was in the store. But the truth is that that kind of thing exists everywhere in 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 that world, and there's just a, you know a basic ethical rule not to abuse your position so um you know in the end certainly that our show would have would have found much more feature space if i hadn't been working there at the time that it did which is fine it was it was fine either way um but it was really fun to make a podcast because that also gave me uh, the perspective of making a show and trying to uh trying to find an audience for it um and seeing Everything that podcasters go through from that perspective, uh, seeing how hard it is still to to do audio work and to to publish a podcast, like it's still a total pain in the butt. To you know, if you're not if you're not affiliated with a with a existing infrastructure, a network like Five by Five, it's still a pain to string together the the services that you need to find mm-hmm. to build a podcast. Just like it's still weirdly a total pain to make a website. I know there are the Squarespaces that make that easier in the world, but but like the fact that you can't just think a thing and make it is still this really strange uh, point of friction in the world of uh, internet creativity. So learning that stuff from a podcaster's perspective was was interesting and fun. Um, and you know, ultimately, there was no. I never felt a conflict because our show wasn't about technology, and we weren't talking about. Anything that that Apple as a company cared about, yeah. so um, I never felt like I was crossing any lines, and in fact, just enjoyed the perspective that I gained by virtue of of doing of, of creating a podcast too. So the show has kind of come to an end. Yep. Um, there is still a rumor of a, an episode one day that may be the final episode. Yep. Um, do you have looking back? Do you have a favorite, or do you have any favorites? Um, I, well, I don't know, man. I, I think every, those episodes, that show is so weird because there'll be kind of this, you know, I'll tell like a dumb story about, you know, something that happened to me and then Merlin will say something, then Adam will say something incredibly funny and we'll have within a, a random episode, we'll have five minutes of total crazy fun weirdness. So I feel like every episode has a little bit of that. You know, I guess I like, I think I like the good part, the episode, the good part, the best. That's a great one, yeah. uh, Because it's kind of classic, you look nice today, and then there's a dumb idea, there's a kind of restatement of that dumb idea by virtue of personal anecdotes. We totally digress from the dumb idea, and then thanks to Adam's uh, editorial magic, uh, he brings it together with with a you know a kind of supercut of those good parts of songs at the end to kind of wrap it up. So you know I think to the extent that 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 show is a weird mix of improv and personal story, that's a good one. So there was a there was a live episode that you guys did, and I believe this was your like one like one of your your stories, which is my favorite thing in the whole of you look nice today, in which. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that it was you were telling a story about being in the shower and the housekeeper... Well, you believed Merlin had come in the room. 
Right, right. And invited him into the bathroom. That's right. That's right. I was so excited that that happened because that had just happened, you know, two hours before we did the show. And, uh, and so I was, I was in the shower and I heard Merlin come in and Merlin was knocking on the door like, like saying something in a, in a funny voice, in a silly, you know, Merlin voice. He's like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Merlin, just come in and talk. And I heard this, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, if you have something to tell me, come in the shower and just tell me. I don't care if you see my weenie. And uh, I don't think I said weenie. Uh, but the rest of it I said. And only learned, only learned much after that it was not Merlin, but the, the housekeeper who, who, had, <laughs> who had some sort of question for me. And, and certainly must have left there and immediately quit her job for a better, less scary job elsewhere. It's just, it's just the build of that. Like, I know what's, what's gonna, what this is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing. And that's, that's, the, that's the most fun thing to me about nowadays, too, doing comedy. Like, whenever a crappy thing happens to me in my life, uh, within, depending on the level of crappiness, like, like, you know, mild level of crappy, within 20 minutes, I'll think, oh, I can turn this into a joke. Uh, and then you know, major level of crappy, like family member dying. It'll it'll take it'll take a day. <laughs> like, wait a minute, this is funny from from this other perspective. It's it's fun because, you know, I don't I, I sort of seek out I seek out uh, weird or hu- potentially embarrassing situations in a way that I I wouldn't have used to because uh, I enjoy then kind of turning it around from different angles and trying to find the the interesting element to it. So there really is no bad scenario anymore. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, unless I guess, oh, let's see. No, I was going to say terminal disease, but at least for the time that I'm still alive, it would be gold. Yeah, you could make a killing. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still listen to podcasts? Is that something that you do? Is it still oh, an entertainment? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I love, I love podcasts. Can I tell you some of the podcasts that I love to listen to, Mike? Please. Um, my, f- probably my favorite, I can't listen to funny podcasts while I'm, while I'm working out. Uh, so if I'm running or something, if I listen to something jokey, I'll laugh and then I'm not as fit as I should be. So that just throws me off my game. So, uh, if I'm on a treadmill or an elliptical trainer, I like an in our time from BBC is my, my favorite. Um, it has the same, the same kind of, uh, weird magic as a New Yorker article. Like there'll be a New Yorker article about, you know, horses in ballet. They'd be like, this is I'm not interested in horses and I'm not interested in ballet. No thanks. Four paragraphs later, you're like, how did I live without knowing about horses in ballet? Same thing with in our time. They're like, we're gonna talk about the uh, you know, Tutankhamun's fourth cousin. And then uh, halfway in you're like, this is the best. So I like that one for for learning. Uh, and then for joking uh, my new favorite is one, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Improv for Humans. No. It's, uh, it's Matt Besser, uh, runs it. Matt Besser, one of the founders of United Citizens Brigade, uh, the, uh, the improv group and, and sketch group, uh, first in New York, then in Los Angeles. Uh, he's super funny, and they just do, uh, he and three guests will do improv based on suggestions uh, submitted via Twitter or YouTube. And it's it's hilarious and great. And that's those two are in addition to uh, 
shows that I'm I'm sure folks uh, who listen to you are already listening to, like um, Roderick on the Line and um, Bullseye and Jordan Jesse Go. Yeah, I I I love the the stuff that the guys over at Max Fun do. Just great shows. Yeah, they're great. They're really good. They're well done, and they're they're just pros. Jesse's a pro, uh, and I just like their model. You know, listener support and stuff. I, I find it really really intriguing. Yeah, it is. It is great, and you know, that was another interesting thing about podcasts and about new media in general that we tried to um, we tried to help foster when I was at when I was at iTunes, which was how do people how are people going to make money? So. You know, if we leave out for a moment the idea of paying for shows, how do you make money advertising, um, listener support, all of those things, stringing together enough to to create a viable business is uh, challenging. Some folks have found success, and some are still trying to find it. But that's almost as creative a thing as the the actual audio that they're producing sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge. And uh, we're always looking at how we can continue. And yeah, it's it's a totally new type of media, and advertisers are some are cluing into it. Some people still can't get it. It's it's interesting. I I don't think we've solved that problem. But yeah, exactly. Do you do you have any thoughts on where podcasting could go? Like having been involved in it to to this level. No, that's fine. <laughs> no, honestly, I think it's such like a simple and robust platform that uh, for me, the the magic of podcasting is in the stuff that people put over the over the internet using it. You know, so your show, uh, all of the interesting interview shows that exist, all the comedy stuff that exists, um, to me is is great. I guess to the extent that we can start to. Uh, unearth more and more historical audio content and video content, that could be interesting. But really for me, it's all about just what's being created over, uh, over the existing very simple infrastructure of podcasting. I am obviously very intrigued to see where it's going to go. Um, I want to, to talk to you about the comedy stuff, but we'll get to that in just a moment. I imagine that You Look Nice Today helped that. Help, helped you get to that point, right? It was, I assume, doing that that maybe opened your eyes to the fact that comedy could be a thing for you? It was that in Twitter. Uh, when I started on Twitter, I had tried to start a blog for many years, and I'd write a thing that I thought was funny, and by paragraph three, I'd be like, this is dumb, just delete it, you dummy. And so I would never, I never was able to to get anything out before my inner sensor told me not to. And with Twitter, it was so quick, and I could say the dumbest things so quickly without too much forethought. That uh, that kind of turned me on to that aspect of my brain that I really began to enjoy exploring more and more. So that plus certainly, you look nice today. Were were the two first things I I. I did that made me realize that I enjoyed uh, comedy and storytelling and and weird weirder stuff. Um, I was going to say something else. Blah blah blah. Comedy jokes, being sad, making uh, midlife jokes crisis. Sad. <laughs> midlife. Yeah, 
I, I yeah, I, I going on stage uh, and doing live. You look nice today. Shows was an incredibly scary thing to do because uh, I'm not a natural. I enjoy telling jokes. I enjoy being on stage, and I enjoy all that stuff. But I'm there's a there's a giant aspect of it that makes me incredibly afraid, uh, and that only now after doing just regular straight stand up for a year have I finally begun to to get over. But it was it was so scary in a way that was both painful and I thought um, uh, there's there's something to the pain that I was kind of also enjoying. So that was another aspect that that drove me further and further into comedy. Uh, I hadn't really been a, a particularly big comedy nerd before I got into podcasts and uh, learning via, again, Jesse Thorne was a really good influence uh, for me, learning about the really interesting world of comedy that's out there. Uh, he was a kind of in, and then, you know, turned me on to the amazing and formative British uh, TV shows from the 90s that that uh, got me even more interested in comedy. So I want, I want to get into talk to you a little bit about that, um, but I just want to take one more quick break and then we'll jump in if that's okay with you. You can, you can have some more electric cigarette now if you would like. Yep, I'm going to hop back into the suit and uh, enjoy some vapor. <laughs> vapor, ugh. Mm, tasty, tasty vapor. <laughs> so I want to take a quick moment to thank Squarespace, um, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website for a free trial and 10% off. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO8. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number 8. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and fantastic support. They have really beautiful designs for you to get a start, get started with, and they have tons of style options that you can adjust and really create your own space online. Squarespace take care of all of the difficult things and, and just all of the things that make it just not really easy to just get your content online. They take care of hosting, things like SEO. They give you responsive web design on their templates, so it's going to look fantastic no matter what device people are coming to your site from. They give you apps, and they, you know, they they just look after all of the the things that are like barriers. They just knock them all down. Squarespace is really easy to use, but they have twenty four seven customer support if you need any help at all. I want you to go to squarespace.com to sign up for a free trial. There's no credit card required to do that. And when you go to the page, you can see some really amazing videos that they have on there which show you the way that different types of people use Squarespace and how they, you know, like maybe musicians and artists and writers and photographers. And you can click through the videos and and take a look and see how they're showing different people using the service. It's really cool to see. I, I like it a lot. Sign up for a free trial while you're there. You should just do that. Give it a go. If you know, it could. I believe it will be the right thing for you. At least you can do to help support the show is sign up for a free trial. Squarespace plans start at eight dollars a month, and they include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You will get ten percent off and help support Command Space if you use the code Tallyho Eight. So go check out Squarespace. Everything that you need to create an exceptional website. So. August 2012, I believe, you left Apple. Yep, that's right. So did you do this to start a career in comedy or did you just decide this is time for me to move away from the corporate life, you know, and then you were like sitting on the couch one day and you were like, I should be a comedian? Uh, I knew that 
So I, I was so bad at convincing myself or motivating myself to do comedy that I knew that if I didn't just straight up quit my job, I wouldn't do it. And so I never, I never did just stand up, even at an open mic or anything, before I quit. Um, so I sort of quit as a dare to myself to start doing what I wanted to do, or at least what I knew I would enjoy uh, eventually. I, I picked stand-up because I wanted to do something in comedy, and uh, I wanted to do something that involved you know, writing. And stand-up is the best way, by far, to be, doing, to, to be writing, to be on stage, to, to, to start to gain a really quick sense of what your own style is. Because, you know, there's somewhere, in a, if you live in a city, there's somewhere to go every night to tell jokes at an open mic or a, a showcase or something. There's a way to get up. And if I had chosen to say, you know, like, write a, a TV script or something like that, or a TV pilot or a movie script, like, I just would still be in my bathrobe, puttering around, <laughs> drinking coffee and reading the internet and complaining about, you know, how I'm not being noticed or something. So doing stand-up was the way to, to just jump in with zero expertise, training, or knowledge and do something in that world. So that's why I quit. And that's, and that's you know, I don't know if it's as simple as like I quit and then the next day I, I went to an open mic and started doing it. But I think that was basically, that was basically the, the timeline. What's it like to stand up on stage and perform in front of a room of drunk people? <laughs> you know, it's funny because that changes so, it changes in the first, I'd say, hundred times of going up, uh, it changes so rapidly. Uh, the first time you, you go up, it's a terrible nightmare. It's, it's, you know, as close, I'd say, to a literal nightmare as a person could get. I did a show just last week in a, in a college classroom. It was like, you know, summer break this for the students who are on summer semester. It was in the most stereotypical college classroom I've, I've, I've stood in. And I was sit standing up there thinking, well, geez, this is exactly what a, an actual nightmare is. Like standing in a classroom that you were, you know, that, that you were in in college and having to tell jokes for people. <laughs> And somebody's family was there, so it was, you know, it was like a nightmare. It was like a family was there, but it's not my family, and the microphone kind of wasn't working, and there were weird drawings on the chalkboards. And, uh, and if that had been my first experience doing comedy, I would have evacuated my bowels and run. <laughs> and, uh, and because it was, you know, at this point, I've done it for a year, and I've taken it pretty seriously. So I've been up somewhere 150 or 160 times. And so that was a fun thing to talk about by that point. Uh, so now that I've done it for basically almost a year, uh, it's a delight. And, and when it goes poorly, it's almost more delightful now because you learn so much more quickly what, what to do better next time. You just want to get up again. But the very first time you do it, and the very second time, and the very ninth time you do it, uh, it's, it's really scary and it's... Um, it's something that I would certainly recommend that, that folks who have ever thought about it just do. Um, now that I've done it a few times, uh, a number of friends have contacted me via 
Facebook or email and said, um, well, I'm thinking of doing it. Uh, I'm going to go up. Here are my, here's my first three minutes. I've written it out. And I just want to say, I'm not going to read this. You just have to do it and see how it works and then do it again and get it to work better or throw it away. There's just no way to do it other than to do it 10 times uh, in, in fairly quick succession to see if, if it's something that's interesting. Have you ever done it, Mike? No. <laughs> no. Have, I, you ever, have you ever thought about doing it? I haven't. I haven't. I mean, I, I don't think that I'm an unfunny person. I just don't know if I'm funny in that way. Like that I would, you know, could could um, think of funny things to say for 10 minutes, you know, like to sure. sit and write and, and, and to come up with some stuff. Is it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it, it kind of seems terrifying to me in a way. Yeah, no, it's terror. I mean, it's a supremely unnatural thing to do, right? To stand in front of, you know, hopefully more than five people and and... Uh, speak to them continuously for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or an hour with a minimum of a couple of laugh moments per minute. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy. And it's, 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 it's an interesting time for comedy because there's so much stand-up, at least in, in, the, in the States. I don't know how it is in, in your part of the world, but at least in the States, it's, it's going through a, a massive renaissance. Um, and at the same time, it isn't. It hasn't evolved all that much. So I'm interested to see how, um, you know, the really interesting comedians who are becoming successful, becoming popular now, take it in a different direction because it's it's become this. I wouldn't say a staid form, but um, you know, you go up and you see people try the same things and tell very similar jokes over and over again, and uh, I wonder what that will what that will turn into. So I've actually seen you perform. You see me perform stand up? Mm-hmm. Where? <laughs> at the talk show. Um, oh, at the talk show, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just trying to freak you out. Yeah, I was there, I was in San Francisco. Um I actually really enjoyed it. I I, I was standing at the bar all night. Uh, <laughs> and and your part was the only part that pulled me away from the bar for, for a few <laughs> moments. So <laughs> yeah, it, that was really fun to do because uh, that was, uh, you know, I, I haven't really done a lot of stuff for a particular crowd who are there for a particular reason. So it was fun to write jokes for that night. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed writing, you know, the Apple corporate shuttle versus Google corporate shuttle yeah. jokes. And those were fun to tell. Uh, and then work in stuff from from my usual my usual stand up too. Uh, that was funny because um, uh, I guess the the recorded version of that just has my microphone, and so you can't hear any of the laughter that was in the audience. So if you just listen to the recording of it, it sounds like me telling a joke, and then there's silence, and then I tell another joke, and it sounds like <laughs> oh, I'm just no. dying. <laughs> Which is uh, so fascinating because you know there was laughter. People were into it. I think for for yeah. the for the majority of it, um, people had enjoyed themselves and 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 thought some of my jokes were funny. Uh, so it went well in the room. But if you listen to it uh, later, it sounds like it did not go well, and and it deeply colors 
one's perspective of, of how funny I was that night to hear no laughter after my jokes. That is a shame. <laughs> it's, I think it's super interesting. Just like, just like failing on stage is super interesting. Um, like I went, to, uh, I went to LA for a couple weeks and I came back and I had this whole five-minute riff on the House of Blues. Are you familiar with the House of Blues? I'm familiar with that name. So the House of Blues is a poverty-themed restaurant and music venue that uh, if, you, if you have never seen one before, kind of looks like if an Applebee's uh, married a, a FEMA shelter and then had a child. It would just look like, like the, the, just the horrible offspring of a chain restaurant and, and abject poverty. Anyway, I was, I was super obsessed by it. And I went up on stage with my notebook and my five minutes of jokes and just got just less than nothing, just silence. But it was so, it was so interesting because I knew there was stuff in there, but I also knew that I needed to do it again. I needed to do it better and fix it. So, you know, the next time I did it, I shortened it. I didn't do five minutes. I did two minutes and I figured out a way to make it funny. Uh, but you've, you learn so quickly by virtue of totally failing. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a brutal and very enjoyable way to, to get better at a thing. What do you like focus your comedic stylings on? Like, do you have a certain topic or thing that you focus on? I don't know. It's a good, I think right now I'm still, because I'm, I've only done it for a year and, um, and, you know, if you hear people who have done it for a while, they're like, I didn't even know what was funny until I'd done it for 72 years. I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't have that long. So what, what am I going to do more quickly? I think just really finding uh, my, my perspective and my voice is kind of what I'm shooting for. So as a result, right now, I'm trying a bunch of different things. Uh, fortunately for me, I have two children who are basically like a sweatshop of jokes. Right, like they're just you know they're not getting paid for any of the comedy that they're providing for my for my uh, nights up on stage, but th they've done a lot. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a sassy dad a lot of times. Go up and tell some sassy dad jokes. It's kind of become a little bit of my persona, I think. Um, but I don't know what that's going to be even in two months. How much time do you spend writing? That's a that's a really interesting and hard question because, uh, so I thought when I quit, I thought I was really going to do two things. I was going to write a lot more, like write sort of essay-ish type stuff, um, and then also work on my stand-up at night. That's turned out not really to be the case, although I want to do more writing. The Up until now, I've only really had the energy to do stand-up and to try and work on jokes, but what it looks like to write stand-up is me uh, staring into space while I'm parked in my car in a parking lot for an hour. <laughs> I've spent so much time in my parked car since I became a comedian, like tr just sort of shaping things in my head or thinking about things. Uh, that's, that's weirdly what work looks like for me now. And uh, old Scott, who used to work 80 hours a week at my dumb laptop, you know, typing uh, answers and calculating spreadsheets for, for my, my boss or, you know, trying to figure out business problems, just really can't recognize current Scott, who's 
whose work involves him uh, buying cup after cup of coffee from an angry barista. Where can current Scott be found on the internet? Um, uh, well, uh, I'm the mayor of Topeka, Kansas. So if you go to uh, <laughs> kansas.gov slash topekafun.html tilde fun in Topeka, you can find me there. Or uh, probably just my Twitter is the best place to go, at Scott Simpson. Uh, and I have a blog at uh, yourmonkeycall.com, which also has a link to a uh, calendar. If you're ever generally in the Bay Area, uh, for now at least, uh, if you want to see me tell jokes, I've got a calendar there that will show you. Uh, and I'll also be on the, uh, what's it called, the Atlantic Comedy and Music Festival in September. Uh, that's at boatparty.biz. That's going to be unbelievably fun. I'm by far the lowest name on the bill uh, of performers and comedians who are going to be there. Uh, it's got just a whole list of people that is, I'm very excited to, to be hanging out on a boat with in mid-September. So I definitely recommend anybody who wants to, to do that to do that. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Thanks, Mike. This has been really fun. I haven't talked about, uh, I haven't thought about my own process for this weird transition. Uh, much so, it's been it's been really fun. I, I uh, thank you for letting me come on your show. I hope I've been able to help you think about some truths of yourself. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to go back and get a corporate job immediately after we're finished. Brilliant. That's exactly what I was hoping. For. Yeah, yeah. Gonna yeah. <laughs> go for it for a bank now. <laughs> That would be great if you know a year from now I'm the COO of uh, some just just like a like a like a terrible terrible company like a waste <laughs> management company or something. And you can look back at this moment as your real turning point. That's right. I thought I thought that I was going to to enter a world of creativity. Turns out uh, I'm just a terrible person with low skills and should get back into the business world as soon as possible. So I want to thank you all for listening. If you want to find me on the internet, I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E, if you know you are so inclined to want to follow me on social networks. Thank you all for listening. Thanks again, Scott, for joining me. Until next time, bye-bye.